Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast where we give you one, just one page of Talmud a day. And today, my honor, my privilege to welcome my dear friend, my boss, Tablet's guiding spirit, Rosh Yeshiva, executive editor-in-chief, responsible for everything that we always are and always will be. Hello, Alana Newhouse. Gewalt. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Excellent. I thought about you when reading today's page of Talmud. You will see in a sec why I want to read to you a really curious passage, which in, in my version of the Talmud, which is the, the Koren Bavli with the Steindel's comment, comes with really charming actual illustrations. And so it goes. On the topic of meals, the Gemara relates the following. The exilarch said to Rav Sheshet, although your elderly sages, the Persians are more expert than you with regard to the required etiquette at meals. The Persian custom is that when there are two divans on which they would recline, the greater of the two people reclines first, and the person second to him in importance reclines in the divan above him, alongside his head. When there are three divans, the greatest of the three reclines on the middle, the one second to him in importance reclines on the one above him, and the one third to him in importance reclines on the one below the greatest of the three. This comes again with illustrations, and they go on and on and on to discuss what the proper way to seat important guests in a dinner party is. Then one of the rabbis said, well, you know, Persians are different because they love to talk with their hands, so they need to sit up when, when they want to have a conversation, whereas we don't, etc., 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 I thought about you because you, among all of your other many fine qualities, are also probably the greatest dinner party hostess that I know and someone who I know has to think about these issues a lot. So tell us, what is the art of hosting dinner parties? First of all, thank you, but I definitely see it as more of an art than a science. I love the idea of thinking about where people are going to sit, although I never do it and I should. But I do think that there's something about having a meal that can be disarming in the best way. And so what I love about sitting around and eating together is the idea that you could probably have a conversation with somebody you might never otherwise be able to talk to. Because once there's a plate of food and a glass of wine in front of you, a lot of the boundaries that might keep you from engaging with that person fall by the wayside. So I've had my fair share of dinner parties that have ended with screaming or somebody storming out. Probably <laughs> too many of them. Which I said, I'm right. sorry. God, how many times <laughs> are you going to bring it up? It shows you how uh, how experimental I can be. But the point is, is I, I do like to get people around a table who are different and who may not normally find themselves in the same room, let alone sitting in the same conversation. So the rabbis go on at great, great length to discuss not just who sits where, but also who gets to wash their hands first. One says it should be the most important person. And then another says, no, it has to be the least important person because the most important person goes last. Uh, and it's very clear from their conversation that they are trying to figure out precisely the kind of methodology by which you would acknowledge and honor the seniority of the kind of most important rabbinic authority in the room. And, you know, often when you come to a dinner party, there is this sort of inner class system, right? Whether we admit it or not, there are people who are, if it's 
all colleagues from the same workplace. It may be people who are more senior, people who are less, people who are more friendly with one another, people who are newcomers to the table. So my question is, keeping with this Talmudic theme, do you try to completely break it and make it so that everyone gets to mingle together? Or do you actually try to use it in a way in which you say, okay, well, we acknowledge that one person sitting around the table is someone we all hold in very high regard, and we're going to construct the whole conversation so that that person gets to talk first or gets to make the toast? Or what's the correct way to disarm people in in that situation? When I was growing up, my... Uh, my mother was Sephardic, and in her home, um, nobody ever sat in the seat of the man of the house. Nobody was ever <laughs> allowed to sit in the chair. Like, we couldn't, I couldn't sit in my father's chair to tie my shoes and then just walk out the door, um, let alone sit in his chair for a meal. What was funny about this was not only that the rest of us didn't have assigned seats, but that my father was just the most unassuming person who absolutely had no interest in commanding a conversation, nor did my mother particularly evince any curiosity about what he had to say. So it was almost like a show. There was some illusion of a power dynamic that then we all obviously clearly upended. And I guess to the extent that I think this happens, at least in my own house, it's that there may be at times a sense that there are some people there who everyone is there to see or everybody wants to sit next to. But I think it kind of quickly falls away because sometimes a lot of times some of the people who may be the best known are also the least interesting. Right. That's the magic of human actual interaction, getting people in a room where we can see each other and feel each other in 3D because then you actually understand who has real power. It's the power of charm and of an ear and of just saying something incredibly insightful or sensitive just at the moment when people need to hear it. And that is a thing that you sort of can't plan for. I like the idea that the rabbis are forcing us to have some way of organizing people and to think about that. And I think that the idea that everyone is the same and everyone should just walk in and take whatever place is me actually abrogating my responsibility as a hostess. I think you have to make some judgments and those judgments are in my, in my house and in my life, they're not about power, but they are about interaction and about how rich I think the conversation and the connection could be. And if I don't take that into account, I think I'm not doing my job. See, when, when, I, when I host a dinner party, I spend about three minutes thinking about what I'm going to serve, and I spend probably three weeks thinking about who's going to sit where uh, precisely for that. I mean, I, I like as much kind of quality control as I can and always think to myself, oh, no, you know, what, what if this guest was stuck next to that guest and, you know, they'll be talking about things that neither of them cares for the entire evening and sort of trying to create an atmosphere in which these dynamics work best, uh, which is, you know almost always a failure, but always an inspiration. Part of that is, it is, I think, weirdly a failure uh, created by the internet. Sorry to bring everything back to the internet, but my mother, when she was having dinner parties, she was inviting people who she was so close with. They were in a community together. These are people who she saw every few days. She never had a problem figuring out who should sit next to who. And it was always different. 
Right. Like she knew who was having an interesting, you know, time at their job this week and who would want to talk to somebody else because she understood people intimately. She actually lived with them. Exactly. She didn't email them or, you know, Facebook friend them or know about them from Twitter. Right. And so it's so hard for us to make these decisions. In some senses, I feel like we're actually making decisions with even less. We, we, you know, when we look at the rabbis, we say, oh, you guys are, you're assigning people based on some arbitrary idea of power and how silly and what a sad way of organizing a table. I would say that our way of organizing tables now and understanding people and their profiles is much sadder. Right. And on that cheerful okay. note, Sorry. Alana Newhouse, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoyed this show, please go rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly section of Reading Daf Yomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.